Hi everyone, my name is Bessie Yobi. I'm the CEO of Connect Global. Uh, but today is not about me, it's about Chris. Welcome, Chris, to the Ask Bessie Show. How do you feel, Chris? I'm feeling pretty good, all things considered. There's a lot going on in the world, and I just i am grateful to be here. Great, great. Thanks so much. So, uh, can you introduce yourself uh, to my listener and viewer? Can you introduce yourself? What you, who you sure. are? Yeah. My name is Chris Doe. I'm the founder of two companies. I used to run a motion design company for 20 plus years making commercials and music videos for some of the biggest bands and brands in the world. And now, since uh, 2016, I believe, I started a second company called The Future where our mission is to help people make a living doing what they love. And the goal was to hit a billion people on planet Earth. Wow. Cool. So, um, what is, what are your ritual and routine when you wake up? Because uh, I asked you that, and all I guess I have, because you have you you say every time you like thinking, and I think you are some uh, some it could be you, you can have, but I'm very interesting because I think that every ritual and routine is a way to shape our discipline and our way to be successful. And I want to understand yeah. what is your ritual and uh, or routine. I remember reading an article years ago about being able to sleep more restfully, to sleep deeper without the worry about waking up, and that is to get rid of the alarm clock. So it's been almost a decade now that I don't have an alarm clock unless there's something very specific I have to get up for, and I just let my body tell me when I should wake, and I usually wake up around 6 to 7 in the morning, and the first couple of minutes that um, when, after I wake up, I just kind of think about anything, try to collect any thoughts that I had in my subconscious or dream state. Sometimes there's nothing, but if there is something, I make a habit to write it down because I know I'm going to forget it. Then what I do is I I will check the social medias. I'll go onto Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube, and try to get a sentiment of what is going on in the world, what people are saying, what they're passionate about, and to try to reply to as many of the questions and comments and usually that sets me up for the rest of my day because when I'm brushing my teeth, taking a shower, oftentimes a question that's asked of me, I will be able to process and find a good answer. And then as soon as I have something, I also write that down. Wow. And I have this habit of trying to take as much up here and putting it down onto some form of paper or something else so that mm. I can free my brain up from trying to remember so I can focus on new things. And then there's a little box next to me where I put all these little scraps of ideas and I routinely go through it, get rid of the ones that I thought are no good, uh, revise the ones I think are good or just leave them there. And that's my box of ideas. Wow. Impressive. Thanks so much for that. So uh, I, I know I know literally about what you already said, the three mobile apps you can use, but just to be sure, what's the, what, what are the three mobile applications you use the most? Probably Instagram, For Twitter, sure. <laughs> and LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah. And about, about Instagram, uh, before, before knowing, because I, I used to uh, Instagram too, but I don't never use Instagram like you use that. And uh, mm -hmm. how you explain that as creator, you can use Instagram to do creation as, because in Instagram, you can doing some carousel. That's why now you I create carousel too. Thanks so much for that. And in the same time, you can also make curation at, as Pinterest. Uh, how you did, did you articulate your thoughts with Instagram? Because I think you use Instagram not just to show to the world why I do, I do that, I do that, but you use Instagram to 
try to articulate your thought and share what you have learned because you learn a lot and you read a lot. And what, what is you use Instagram like that? Yeah, I think there's lots of ways to use Instagram. Historically speaking, Instagram is used to inspire other people. So if you're an amazing image maker, photographer, designer, hand lettering artist, that's what you show the world and they get inspiration from that. And if you're really good, you start to teach people how it is that you do what you do. We have right. guys like Gao Shear who show you the entire drawing process, how he colors things in. And I think you feel a little bit smarter after watching some of his work. And then you, you think you, you have clues as to how to do that. Another way of growing Instagram followers is to curate other people who do amazing things. So it could be very thematically linked around architecture, photography, or lettering, or something else like that. More recently, in the last, I would say about a year, year and a half maybe, Instagram rolled out this feature called carousels or that's how we're calling it and it allows you to post 10 images at a time and because this is a new feature that's rolled out Instagram wants to promote people who create carousels that are engaging and it was a friend of mine Michael Janda who is also a, a well-respected Instagram person I saw that he started using the slides to teach and he was pulling segments from his book and teaching from his book so I was thinking this is great I did not think of using Instagram to teach as a different kind of platform to learn and to share information. It just so happens that I have literally hundreds of decks, presentation decks that I've built in the past that I could just comb through and find, huh, how could I say this in 10 slides? And over time, I started to develop the vocabulary, figure out what worked, more importantly, figured out what didn't work, and I started to develop a system. And that's when my account grew really, really fast, and that's kind of what I continue to do today. Wow, thanks so much for that. Um, why did you create the future? And why the future? The first time I see the future, I say, hmm, the future, what does it mean? That is a phrase, a name, and, uh, and uh, we're very impressed because I understand what, why you create that? Because the future is, is everything. But I want to know your thoughts because maybe it's more better to, to know that. Sure. I created the future because prior to this point in time, I'd been teaching for 15 plus years at very high level private art schools, Art Center College of Design and Otis College of Design. And I would lecture throughout the country. Mm -hmm. And I was looking for a different way of being able to share my what it is that I learned, my my philosophy, my ideas to help other people. And it was through a friend of mine who encouraged me, almost forced me to create videos for YouTube. And at first I didn't really want to do it. I was very reluctant to join him in this pursuit. And it's awkward for me to be on camera. I'm used to being behind the camera, directing, art directing, but not on camera talent. And it took a while to learn how to speak on camera, how to not be so self-conscious about what it is I'm saying and what I look like. And, and that's really how it began. So the future is really what I think is the modern day version of what education should look like. To remove it from the barriers of uh, four walls and a roof uh, to proximity in terms of like you, you need to be within 30 miles of where you go to school, mm. opening it up, trying to figure out how to teach as many people as possible for as little money as possible. Yeah, so it's it, it, very interesting what you say because I think that the most important thing is is learn um, learn to learn because sometimes when you don't have some mentor or coach, we can learn by ourselves. And uh, what is very interesting week the future? You have you have a panel of content and you can use this content to try to 
learn what you want to learn and it's about it can be logo t- logo type different kind of uh, topics it's very interesting um and i have a question also about the future because most of the time when i saw you i don't know why you don't uh, use this um hard today but every time i saw you with the hard god is designer why use this uh tagline and okay you, there's a couple of things yeah, I want to explain this because people always ask me, like, sometimes you wear the hat, sometimes you don't. What's the reason why? I'll tell you the reason why. There's a very practical concern of mine. And I'm Southeast Asian, right? So sometimes I get a little shiny up here. And depending mm. on who's lighting, I don't want it to be like when people videotape me or photograph me that there's going to be a giant reflection on top of my head. And also, if I get nervous, I'm going to start to sweat. That's not a good look for my head. And I sweat right over here, okay? Yeah. So I started to wear the hat because it can control, like regardless of how you light me, I'm yeah. going to be all right. I'm going to be yeah. okay. So I don't have to worry too much about a shiny head. Yeah. And then people start to say like, well, that becomes part of your personal brand. That we mm-hmm. recognize you through your, your ear piercings, your, your brand of glasses, and your hat. And so mm-hmm. then now when I'm out in public, I wear my hat because I want to be consistent with my brand. The, the line, God is the designer, is a, a, is a creation of a friend of mine who's a born-again Christian. His name is Andrew Acevedo, and he was looking for a little bit of help. So he's like, if I send you the hat and it's cool, would you mind wearing it? Now, I'm not a born-again Christian. I was raised Catholic. I'm no longer practicing, but yes. I, I got the hat. I was like, this is really cool, and it's a very positive message, and it means a lot to him, and I want to support him. So I started wearing the hat, and it's now become kind of my personal brand. Wow. Impressive. Um, how do you define uh, creative and innovative people? Creative and who? Creative and innovative people. Oh, how do I find creative and innovative people? No, no. How do you define? How do you define? Because you have different different definition of, of creative people or innovative people. But I want to know your thought because your thought is very more like very simple as your answer. But all the answer you give me is very short and simple. What is your definition of creative people or innovative people? Okay, there is some overlap between creativity and innovation, and I'll talk about it. And there are some differences between being creative and innovative. Creative people very to see things that aren't related and find some kind of elegant combination between that. So they're able to connect disparate ideas. For example, they could look at the, a plastic cup, uh, one where you, you are, it's disposable. And then they can say, like, what if that cup were 40 feet wide? What would that look like? And what kind of impression would we create? And so th- they see the world in ways that normal people don't. And I think that's really cool. And that is also a necessary ingredient for innovation because people who are innovators also show the world something that they have never seen. But sometimes those two ideas aren't exactly the same. And I'll tell you where this is. Sometimes you see somebody work on their piece of artwork and maybe it was innovative at the beginning. But over time, you see them just doing the same thing over and over again. Uh, and this tends to become part of a, an artist or an illustrator style. You'll notice this. People draw a certain way and they interpret the world the same way over and over again. So what happens is they lose that innovative touch, that, that hunger, that desire, that fire that they used to have. So it's a balance here. It's a balance between having that initial spark, being able to see things that people haven't seen before, but keeping that spark alive so that you don't ever get super complacent or comfortable with the things you've already created. It's about the future, not about the past. Wow, 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 wow. Very incredible. Like, it's not about that just doing the same thing as a, just routine and just sometimes find the trigger to make another 
great new idea. That's why when you have some thought, you put on your on your box. But when you have like a new idea, you say, hmm, I can use this new idea to change my pattern. But if you stay, you do the same thing every time, you can be innovative and you can go to the future. Wow. Yep. Thanks so much. I really appreciate that. I appreciate though. Um, like, why should you reinvent online education? We are already explained a little bit why with uh, your thought about why you are create future. But if you want to imagine like you have some people, some all across the world, listen to this podcast and try to handle the fact that now they can go to the real school and now they learn to go to online school. What you want to share to them to say, oh, don't worry, you can go to the real school but you can change it and have fun on online school. Yeah, I want to be very particular about the language that we're using here to describe this. Um, what is real school and what is the purpose of school? The purpose of school is to teach, to learn, and to help people figure out their own way. Okay, I think there is a, a different word I would use. I would use traditional and non-traditional versus real versus unreal or fake. Okay. Okay, because when you say real, I assume <laughs> that if it's not real, then it's fake, the opposite of real. Nobody wants that. Now, let me ask you this question, okay? Because yeah. of the pandemic that's happened, many traditional schools have had to resort to teaching online. Same teachers, same students, different delivery method. Are we now saying that that online learning between this institution, the traditional school, is now no longer valid? And most people would argue, no, of course not. Same teacher, same students, same program, same curriculum, same academic rigor. It's just being delivered via teleconferencing like the, what we're doing right now. My conversation with you right now is no less real than me standing in front of you having that same conversation. It's our ability to connect with each other. Now, there are new challenges that are going to happen. For example, I may not be able to see or hear you as clearly as I would in real life. I might not be able to, depending on the fidelity of the rendering of your image, be able to pick up the micro expressions on your face or to see the rest of your body so I can read whether or not you're understanding me, if you're relating to me or you have a different point of view. So teaching online, it's not for everybody, but it is for some people. And let me tell you who it's really for. If you can't afford to go to a private school with high tuition, low admission rates, that's really far away with high cost of living, what choice do you have? So at the end of the day is this. There's a couple of points I want to make very clear to everybody. You know this. If you've gone to school before, there are a handful of really great instructors. The ones that many years from now, after you graduate school, you're going to remember them as having an instrumental role in shaping the way that you think. That could be three, four, and if you're really lucky, maybe six instructors. Out of how many? Out of 50 or 60 instructors? So what's happening here? What's happening is that schools generally have a few really good classes taught by amazing instructors and the rest are filler. It's to make sure you get through the program because they cannot scale, or so they think, they cannot scale the class or the instructor. That's because they're thinking in very traditional terms. Now, if we all had access to the best engineering teachers, the best math teachers, the best design art instructors, why do we not just build the perfect class one time with the best in-class instructor and then the other teachers who aren't as gifted at teaching become facilitators. They allow students to learn for themselves. I believe this is the model that's going to work. 
Here's another problem. You're the most gifted teacher at fill in the blank. Let's say you're the most gifted teacher at engineering. Every year you teach the same class over and over again, the same lectures over and over again. What is the point of that? Is your intellect and your time best used for something like that? My answer is obviously no. Sit down, write, plan, produce your class. Take a year to produce it. Make it amazing. Design it specifically for distance-based learning. Record it once. From this point forward, all the people in the world who want to be your students can have access to this for a fraction of the cost. Here's the benefit to you and to the institution. The benefit to you as a teacher is this, is that everybody that buys or enrolls in that class, you have legacy in them that they've learned from you. And also additionally, you should be able to collect some form of payment, some royalty based on every student that enrolls forever. That means your children and your children's children benefit from the intellectual property that you've created. In a traditional school, teacher gets hit by a truck, teacher forgets, has dementia, your earning power is gone. I'd like to change that. That is the future. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. Impressive. Um, what is the process to be uh, a creative leader? Because I think we are not just a, a teacher, a creative, but you have a mix of like creative leader because you, for me though, I don't know if it's the same same word because I, I understand you you don't use uh, uh, like you use properly everywhere like as I already say uh, uh, real versus unreal uh, you say no it's traditional versus uh, non-traditional um, for me like being leaders like is make impact like inspire people personally though like this opportunity you give me now is very, uh, very high. And I think it also will be helpful for many people. Do you inspire me, for real? You inspire me every time. I, I watch your, your your video every every time. And uh, I think you are a creative leader. I don't know if you accept that, but for, for you, what is the term of the meaning of creative leaders? I don't know. I'm gonna be honest with you, I don't know. Because I don't think that's a, a label I should put on myself. If it's a label that you want to assign to me, I accept it, I humbly accept it, but I don't think many leaders go out running saying to themselves, I'm a leader. Okay, so for me, I've always tried to live my life in such a way that what I think, say, and do are consistent with each other. So if I believe that there's a better way of learning and teaching, I don't want to just complain about it. I just don't want to troll people. I want to say to myself, well, if you believe that to be true, put your money where your mouth is. Go and build that thing that you believe in and see if you can enroll enough people and prove and validate that your thought is actually something that is tangible, that's real, and it's needed and wanted. And so that's what I try to do. I try to live myself, my life to be the best version of myself every single day. And that means that I'm forever a student and that the more that I learn, the more I realize I have more to learn. And I just want to keep living like that. And that's what makes me really excited. The, the benefit is I get to share what it is that I've learned with lots of people on scale via videos with podcasts and posts that I share on Instagram. And that's how I feel happiest. And the benefit, like I said, is that other people get to write along with me. I think that's really important. And I have to share this with you and your audience in case they don't know who I am, is that 
my parents fled Saigon, Vietnam in 1975 to come to the United States as refugees. So we are first generation immigrants, first generation refugees. We, we essentially lost everything we had, our home, our country, our way of life, our culture, everything we've, we lost it all, our money, and we had to start over. And because of the great country that we live in in the United States right now, we were able to come up from nothing and rise into a place where we can help some more people. And I never forget that. This is the story I think of all immigrants that we have to remember when we achieve some level of success that it's important in the words of President Barack Obama to send the elevator back down. We have to help other people and this is how we improve as a society and as a culture. When we get to this tipping point, which I believe that we're sort of approaching really fast right now, when the concentration of power and money and wealth is in a very small percentage, we go past a tipping point and revolutions happen. And I want to, to prevent that from happening. I want to be able to help pull people up and also to, to get the help from people on the top so that we can all prosper. There's no reason why in the 21st century there should be homeless people, people without health care, people that are afraid of getting sick because they, they, that'll bankrupt them. Yes, everything's about empathy and kindness. Oh, you say every time the same thing. Thanks so much to share this uh, with us. And um, yeah, um, that that's, we are not far to the final, your final thought, but um, I want to just ask some other things before that. So for you, for this point, because sometimes we already say, sometimes people forget who they are because sometimes they forget their roots and they forget the neighborhood. Um, but how, uh, for you, that education could be a, uh, the way to be free. Because I think like if you, sh you want to design our life and we want to shape our, fu our future, the only one way, or it could be not the only one, but the, the one of all ways you can use is education because we can cho choose to learn what you want to learn. You can, is a choice. You can choose to don't learn, you can choose to learn. And now learning is affordable. You have just a cell phone. In this cell phone, you can use our cell phone and learn anything you want, sometimes for free, mostly. mostly. Uh, and what, what, what do you think about that? What do I think about what? About the fact that education could be helpful to help some under, underrepresented people in the biz, or business world or in the society to be free education could be uh, a tool or asset for them or you are some another way to help them to to, to, to go up yeah I think education uh, is the potential great equalizer it, it it helps us all to kind of find out what we want in life and how we can contribute to society and to one another and when when education is limited to uh, due to boundaries and barriers of geography or financial or socioeconomic uh, barriers. And then it means that education is not for everybody, that the quality of education that you can get oftentimes at different levels, depending on how much you can afford to pay, is mm. radically different. But if we started to take the information and share it in ways that doesn't hurt the content creators, then we lift up all of society and our culture. And you're absolutely right. Most everything that you want to learn is available online for either not a lot of money or for free. So we have to 
teach our culture, our generation uh, that is growing up, that they just have to learn how to ask the right questions, to be seekers of information, to be able to judge between facts and fiction, and then be able to think critically with what they've learned. And I think that's really critical. Ignorance is the new slavery, and we can change that because you're, you're, you're absolutely right. The internet and a cell phone is pretty much all that you need. Wow. What, what is your final role? Because I, I, I take to you a lot of time. Thanks so much. I know he has a lot of things to do. And I think that's now the final point of our um, conversation. And thanks so much for that. What's your final word? What do you want to share uh, to my audience sure. and the people listening to this? Or should we watch this? Yeah. Um, we live in a, in a sad reality right now where, where people are judged by anything other than what is in, in the heart and in their mind. And especially here in the United States, we're, we're, we're being exposed to the deep-rooted problems that have been exist in existence since the founding of this country, of systemic, systemic racism, of prejudice, of inequality for people of color, trans people, black people, women. And the people who hold this power have to learn how to share it or otherwise a revolution will happen. Now, I know that uh, depending on where you are in the world and your status in life, you may feel a little hopeless, that you may feel like you have no power to influence the change. But I'm a big firm believer in this. The minute you start to think like that is the moment that change becomes impossible. That instead of us focusing on the differences in the way that we look, the way we speak, and our customs and cultures, I think we need to focus on the things that bind us together, that there aren't many races, that there's only just one race, the human race, that you and I, we, we come from the same ancestors, that we share the same uh, physiology, the way we breathe and think. And this is really important. And I think we have to hold on to hope when we have to channel our energy in ways that are organized, that are that are based in strategy, that have that are principled, and that we take action that has long lasting impact. Thanks so much. Thanks so much. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks so much for your time. Uh, you are more than welcome to, to be in the future. Thanks so much for that. Thank you.